Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder. And today we have a bit of a special treat. I am bringing on a client, a former client, and a dear friend, Alicia Voltmer. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you, Heather. Glad to be here. So why don't you uh, quickly just tell people who you are and what you do? I am a shareholder at Greenberg Traurig. I am in the labor and employment section. I've been practicing labor and employment for uh, 26 years, and um, I'm board certified uh, by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization in labor and employment. I brought you on because I talk a lot to my audience and just in social posts as well around selling. That lawyers, if you're in private practice, you need to learn to sell because that is a part of business development and bringing in business. And yet a lot of lawyers <laughs> don't like selling and think of it as pushy, awkward, gross, you know, put all kinds of words to it that that people will typically tell me. And you kind of came to me that way, not really loving selling, but have totally transitioned into a powerhouse salesperson as far as I'm concerned, which is why I wanted to bring you on to the podcast to kind of talk people through that metamorphosis that you had in hopes that it helps them figure it out for themselves as well. So why don't we go back to when we first met and, you know, what was going on within your mindset around selling, asking for business, and why you reached out? So I grew up uh, as a young lawyer in the 90s when you were expected to work seven days a week. And if you did a good job, you would make shareholder. There was no training around client development, bringing in clients, anything of that nature. It was just work hard, you make shareholder. Obviously, through the years, that that mindset has shifted, uh, mm-hmm. and certainly understandably. Um, but even, even through those years at, at several of the firms that I landed at, there was no training of any kind. So when I reached Greenberg Traurig, my current firm, Um, I realized that it's a very entrepreneurial place. I was excited about that. I wanted to succeed and excel, but I felt I was completely um, uh, underskilled, if you will, in in that ability to go out and build a bigger client base. So that's, that's why I, that's how I landed on your doorstep. Right. And I would say this, I think you're right. There used to be an emphasis primarily on bill, 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 and you'll make partner. And I think at the bigger law firms at one point in time, at least, (laughs) it used to be a lot easier because you had these legacy clients who stayed with the firm forever. And it was a lot easier to ensure that you had billable work. That has really changed over the years. I mean, I'm sure there are still legacy clients out there for some of these firms, but a lot of firms are realizing that you can no longer rely on that. And that you have to actually learn to sell as well. 
and bring in your own business. And sadly, I would say that even though there is a bigger emphasis on the need to bring in your own business, there isn't a lot of great training out there for lawyers, at least not at this point. I have talked to a couple of firms that are starting to think about it and are starting to put things together, but there's not a lot um, of robust programs out there for lawyers. So I think you're right. <laughs> and and it's interesting because a lot of lawyers come to me complaining about this. Like, wait, I was never told I had to sell. And now I find out that that's a large part of what I need to do as a partner. And frankly, even senior associates need to be doing it to some extent. So when you landed on my doorstep, tell the audience, where were you in, in respect of your mentality around selling? How did you feel about it? How did you... Um, what were you doing or were you not doing? How did that manifest within your actual day-to-day practice? Yeah, so I, I do want to jump back really quickly. I will tell you that um, one of the, quote, um, client development, business development <laughs> activities I participated in uh, at a prior firm was um, the firm bought a copy of, I think it's Cheryl Sandberg or Sandberg's Lean In. Yep. And um, each, each of us, each woman was expected to read it and pass it along. <laughs> and that was our that was our business development. Um, so uh, interesting. Yes, very interesting indeed. Um, I I am a personality who is certainly a behind the scenes kind of person. I um, I am not. I don't consider myself very pushy or aggressive when it comes to client development. I do not like the concept of in your face. Hey, give me business, give me business. And a lot of the people I have worked with in the past. Uh, particularly my male colleagues are very comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, walking up to a client and saying, when are you going to give me business? Or, well, you know, why haven't you given it to me yet? Or I, I saw you got sued. You need to give me this case. That is not a comfortable dialogue for me. That is absolutely antithetical to my personality, which is more of a relationship building kind of uh, <laughs> kind of personality. So mm-hmm. I was I was turned off by the very direct um, in your face sales techniques. And that's basically what I have seen the most of, um, through male colleagues, uh, you know, as I said, because my prior training was, was things like reading the book lean in. (laughs) Well, and I will say in the, in the guy's defense, they're never trained either. (laughs) They just (laughs) often are seeing other male colleagues do that. And having done that for so long, they tend to mirror the tactics of others. A lot of us do that, right? We mirror what other people do. And we assume that because other people do it, that it's it works. But I'm curious to know, we'll get into the the like the metamorphosis you had in a moment and how you're doing now, but looking at those male colleagues and their more, I would say pushy <laughs> tactics and and overt, you know, however you want to say it, do you feel like they're as successful as they could be? That's a really good question. I have I have seen it occasionally work. I have seen it work um, less. Well, that's probably not the way to say it. I don't think it's as effective as it as other techniques could be. Let's let's mm. put it that way. I I have seen the reactions on clients' faces when I've been present for those conversations, and it it seems to put them ill at ease. It seems to make them somewhat uncomfortable in in many uh, instances. And that is something that I would never want to do. I wouldn't want to put a client on the spot in that direct a manner. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would think, look, if if you're out there using those tactics and you feel like it's working for you, great. But step back and think about what if something else could work better? 
Because I would say anybody, if you're persistent and consistent enough, can eventually bring in business, <laughs> right? But you might be turning off a lot of people in as you're doing it. And so maybe reconsider trying out some other tactics. That's just my two cents, because I, I would agree with you. I don't think they're nearly as successful as people think they are, because it is off-putting. There's a reason why people, when they think of sales, they think of the used car salesman, right? And who wants to be that? And I kind of see those types of tactics as used car salesman types, because it's very pushy. It's very overt. It's almost guilting people. Like, why haven't you sent me something, right? Doesn't that feel like it's guilting somebody into, oh, you've got to send me something now? It, it does. And it's, I think it's even less effective if it's a new relationship or a new client with yeah. whom you have no, no established relationship or track record. Um, you're, and it, there's nothing wrong with asking someone to put their trust in you, mind you. But uh, if you do it in such a way that is that pushy, like I said, I, I agree with you. The word off-putting is a word I use uh, frequently to describe that. I, I think it would be. And it, it, it's almost like if you think of the the person who knocks on your door on a Saturday afternoon and is trying to sell you windows or you know a new roof, they're, they're pushy. Uh, you know, I yeah. just did I just did it for your neighbor Joe Smith down the road, and you know you feel like you're you're being you know pushed into something, and it's an uncomfortable feeling. So clients, no doubt, would feel the same. I would think. Yeah, I mean, I would. I love that that example because we've all gotten that person knocking on our door, being really pushy about why wouldn't you want to hire me, right? Whereas you have that tactic versus the person who knocks on your door and says, hey, FYI, I just wanted to let you know I did so-and-so's roof or, you know, whatever it was. And um, if you ever in the in in need, here's my card. Feel free to ask them what they thought. Uh, just wanted to let you know that I'm in the neighborhood as well. That's different. That's not usually that's like, oh, OK, thanks. There are ways to do it that aren't so pushy, where you can let people know what you can do for them without making them feel bad about it. Because as soon as you make them feel bad, like guilting them into something or pushing them into something they might not even need or want in that moment, you've turned them off. And I think, you know, I've talked about this before. There's this business development is about building relationships to the point where they know you, they like you, and they trust you. And personally, I think that you are really, really hurting the like and trust factors <laughs> when you are overly pushy and making them feel bad. So I'd, I would agree with that. And, and I also think um, it helps to do a little bit of homework um, to mm -hmm. know who, who's representing your client in, in whatever area you, in which you practice. You know, do they already have counsel? How's that counsel doing? Do you even know who that, who that counsel is? Uh, a little bit of homework, I think, goes a long way because if you know they have other counsel, you can, instead of pushing them to give you business, you can say, well, how's how's it working out? I, I saw that there was a, a case that either had a great outcome or maybe not so great outcome, but you, you show that you're educated and you're thinking about them as well. I, I think that's also important. I want to highlight that for a second because I think that's really important. Yes, you want to be incredibly well versed as to what who they have on you know on retainer or whoever they use traditionally you also want to know what's out there what their results have been before you go in but you want to be careful how you use that i like the way you said it because there is this other methodology that some people follow where they'll see that a case didn't go as well as they think it should have right and they'll start badgering on the attorneys and the firm 
but they used as though you assume they did the worst job possible. I could have done better. I would counsel people not to do it that way. <laughs> Instead, don't assume anything. For all you know, they could be very happy with, with the result because they didn't expect the best outcome. Or it may be something that had nothing to do with the representation, right? You don't know. So don't make the assumption. Go in asking questions without the assumption. And I think you're going to get a lot more good information that you need on how to approach them moving forward. I would agree with that. And in fact, I, I think it's it's of paramount importance never to to speak ill of another law firm. Yep. Uh, no matter what your relationship is, who those folks are, um, I think that never bodes well. In fact, I think it makes the attorney who's who's speaking those words look petty, mm-hmm. uh, look unprofessional. Um, and I agree 100% with what you just said. Yeah, again, it's no like trust. They then, that says something about you that's not so great when you go after somebody else in that way. You can easily prove that you're a better attorney in other ways <laughs> without ever saying anything bad about other attorneys. And so I would counsel everyone out there never to take that road. Okay, so you came and you had this kind of experience with a lot of, especially your male colleagues, using more overt off-putting sales techniques. Describe to our audience kind of the transition or the metamorphosis you made? How did that happen for you? How did you change your outlook and your approach to sales? <laughs> well, th- this may get into a little deeper than what you might have expected, but um, it's part <laughs> no, of the I'm process. Good. It's part of the process um, in working with Heather. Um, I answered a lot of questions. There was a very comprehensive questionnaire. And I, I think uh, a comment you made to me was I, I filled it out probably more <laughs> more completely than, than a lot of people, because I took it very seriously Yes, um, because this was a, a serious investment of time and, and, you know, certainly an important part of my career. And, um, you know, a lot of the questions, they were not what I would have expected. They were more along personal lines, like explain, you know, explain. And I, I, I don't have the questionnaire in front of me, but it, it, it was more about interpersonal relationships, what's mm-hmm. going on in life, what's important to you. Through that process, I, I haven't had questionnaires like that. In fact, I was joking with someone. I've never even had a personality, you know, a, a, what is it, Myers-Briggs test, anything like that. Never taken one. <laughs> I have no idea what my personality type actually is. But um, through that process, what you helped me do was distill down personality traits that would be of assistance in client development in a way that was not off-putting for me, that was comfortable with my personality, but it was a process. It was, it was actually learning a little bit more about myself, mm-hmm. um, things that I had never written down. You know, what, what, what do you like to do in your spare time? No, no, not a lot of people ask lawyers that and have them write it down. <laughs> so, you know, as I wrote it down and I, I read through it and I, you know, I was proofing it, 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 you know, that sort of helped start the process. And, and like I said, it was almost like a narrowing down like you start broad and you you narrow, you narrow, you narrow, and you come to a set of factors of this is what I'm good at. This is how I can, I can parlay that into uh, business development skills that are comfortable for me. And that from a process standpoint, that's how I saw it. That's awesome. Okay. So I've never had anybody describe it quite that way. I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, I, so here's the way I look at it, at least. My process is geared towards understanding who people are, right? So who are you as a human? 
How do you like to show up? What are your strengths and skills? And how do you like utilizing those the most? Because that's how you're going to show up as your best. And so that's, I think that's the, the process you're describing is we kind of got deep through the questionnaires and then through sessions where we actually talked, right? And I would ask deeper questions. And for anybody out there, I think at the end of the day, what this process helps you do and, and what you can do for yourself if you want to do this for yourself is, number one, stop mirroring what everybody else does. Because I do find that a lot of lawyers are really bad at that. We mirror what works for others, but what works for somebody else, number one, may not even be the best strategy for them. <laughs> Again, if you're really consistent and persistent long enough, you can have success. Number two, even if it is the best strategy for them, it fits them uniquely, their own personality, their own strengths, their own skills. Don't look to other people. Go within and figure out, you know, who am I? How do I show up? What are my strengths? What are my skills? What's my personality? And how can I marry all of that in my business development efforts, including how I sell and ask for business? Would you think that's a fair representation of, of what we did, Alicia? I, I would. In fact, I, I think that it is the exact same process I described, only in different words. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, but I want people to understand, you know, yes, coaching can help, but you can also do this for yourself to some extent, right? And so if you want to go out there and try to figure that out, that's, that's really the process. Like get deep and make sure you know you and kind of reconnect to the things that make you you. I would, I would agree with that. And I, I will, I will say this though, um, when you are in the throes of, you know, mid-year practice and, and I think every lawyer who's listening to this knows what I'm talking about. You've got your billables, you've got mm -hmm. client deadlines, especially if you're a litigator, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress. Some of us deal with it better than others, but I think what was very helpful was having a third party, um, not only be able to help you distill it, but to help um, keep you on track and keep mm. you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, on task, like accountable, I think. Accountable, is for, yeah. You know, accountable for what you're doing to prepare for each session, to really take the time out because you are now accountable to someone else who is going to be asking you questions. And it's 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 one thing to stand up in front of a judge and, and try to <laughs> fake it through a hearing, but <laughs> that's hard enough. But But when you are talking to someone about you know, your, your career and trying to, to improve it, that's, that's big and it's important. And you, you do find that you prepare and you think about it and you take the time to do it. You can do it yourself. I'm sure you can. For me, it was a question of just not prioritizing it because mm. I didn't have anyone to keep me accountable. Yeah. I mean, I do like to say almost every, we're all smart enough. We can all do this on our own. However, most of us don't. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the pressure to do all these other things and put it off and put it off and put it off and not take the time. And so one of the things that working with somebody else and coaching does for people is to kind of keep you on task, to keep you focused, to keep you accountable. And I like to think of it as like a fast forward button. Although you could do it on your own, usually things go a lot quicker and you get where you want to get to a little more quickly when you have somebody helping you <laughs> get, get, you know, those things done go a little bit deeper, more quickly, stay accountable and all of that. So I, I would agree with that. And I, I, I would also say one of the things I found very helpful in working with you was the fact that you have perspective as someone who's worked in a big firm. It, it's one thing to have a, a business coach who maybe has worked in the corporate 
field before, or I don't know, tech or something like that, which I'm sure would be helpful in some ways, but Mm -hmm. there are some things that are particular and unique to practicing law (laughs) that it it really helps to have someone who understands how that works, um, year end compensation or, um, you know, moving up the ladder, uh, making shareholder, making levels of shareholder, those things are, are unique to our system. And it's, it's helpful to have someone who understands that and, and knows what that process looks like. Yeah. And, and gets the politics also, because I think a yes. lot of people who haven't been in that, especially if they haven't been in it long enough to see the behind the scenes, don't totally understand it or how to navigate it. Cause it is a little bit unique. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of coaches out there who coach lawyers that never practiced who are very successful. And there's coaches who practice law, but only for a couple of years. I will say one of my selling points has always been I'm not one of those people who practiced for a couple of years and didn't make couldn't hack it and got out. No, like I actually stayed in for a long time. So I do get how law firms work and the politics of it all and how to navigate through that. Okay, so. If you don't mind sharing, I would really, really love to get into some specifics around, you know, what you found worked for you. I think that would be really helpful for people to hear. So they've heard kind of the process and narrowing down and understanding your personality, your strengths, those things that make you you. How did that transform into actual day-to-day actions? Like, what does your business development actually look like as a result of what you found out? So it's it's obviously got several prongs, but um, as far as strengths, what what we distilled them down to would be writing, mm-hmm. um, speaking, and developing personal relationships and and enjoying that that facet of meeting people, being able to you know talk talk to people from many walks of life, many different ty- types of companies. And just getting to know them, uh, not even not even on a business level to start with, just on a personal level, mm-hmm. um, making making those personal connections. So, starting with those three things that I, I believe are my strengths, um, and that that again we sort of narrowed down from a, a bigger list of things. I use those to figure out what kinds of opportunities I could look for that would allow me to get in front of the audiences who are important to me, obviously in, in labor and employment. Uh-huh. So not just any speaking engagement, because I do love to speak, but which ones might yield the, you know, might yield the best types of contacts or, or the, the higher rate of return on, on, you know, possible business development, those kinds of things. So instead of just taking every speaking engagement that comes along, I'm far more selective, for example. Good. Um, one of the things that was really key for me that that you helped with was when it comes to, for example, posting on um, social media, mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, yay, look at me, I just did some great thing. <laughs> um, and you've been you've been very diligent and good about about um, coaching on this. That's great, but things like LinkedIn are filled with those those kinds mm-hmm. of posts. Providing some kind of helpful tidbit or maybe even a teaser, but probably more so, uh, you know, something helpful for a client, you know, uh, I'm going to speak on the top 10, you know, issues employers are facing in the restaurant industry. You know, here are two of them. If you want to hear the the other eight, I'd love for you to attend this, this webinar. Yes. Yeah. Something along those lines. So, you know, being able to make better use of your social media posting because social media takes time. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, time is valuable for attorneys. So instead of, instead of posting, you know, the, Hey, look at me, I look at the great thing I've done. I have worked. And I'm not saying I've mastered it yet, but I'm working on it. Um, I've worked to, to do that better. And then the relationship building has really helped with being able to, you know, connect with clients and talk to them in a way that is comfortable for me. So for example, instead of saying, hi, you know, you should really give me your business. I saw that you got sued. <laughs> not comfortable for me. It would be something like, um, uh, I have seen that, uh, you know, a new case was filed against you. I've handled six of these in, in the last two years, you know, six similar cases uh, with really good results. I'd love to share, you know, how we, how we got summary judgment or how we, you know, we got the case dismissed. And, you know, hopefully I can be of assistance to you with this case. Uh-huh. That is a far more comfortable dialogue for me than uh-huh. getting it up into somebody's face, telling them they should give me their business, giving them information about the, the uh, opposing counsel, about the court they're in, about the kind of claim, you know, the uh, even potential how we could get it dismissed quickly if there are ways to do that or at least ways to try. So a, a very different mindset. Uh-huh. Again, based more on the relational aspect versus the sell, sell, sell. It's the same. It's the same end result, I think, but it's a very different approach to get there. But I think it's a better end result because what you're describing is service first. You are looking at them from here. I'm helping you. I'm giving you information you probably don't have yet, and offering you up something for free, right? Without ever expecting you to hire me, I'm at and and but it makes it easier to to have the ask if you have that relationship where you're actually offering something to them that's helpful, even if it's small. Then they're much more likely to reciprocate, and even if they don't immediately, it's a lot easier ask because you've given them something, and so then you can come in and say, "Hey, can I help you with this?" That's not that's not a hard ask, right? Right. And, and it, again, it's, it's, I think you said this earlier, some, for some people, the, the direct ask is comfortable and that's, that's fine. Um, not, not all of us, that doesn't work for all of us, but, but yes, the, you know, can I help or how could I help? Or, you know, I, I can, I can help with this if, if it's something that, that you need help with, or, or even a suggestion, um, and I'll take it a step further, even if if they don't uh, give you the particular case that you're thinking of, you know, following up, how did it go? Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, have you thought about training on this particular issue? Maybe it's sex harassment, or maybe it's uh, management training. Have you have you thought about that as a follow up to to this case now that it's over? Just touch points. Um, I think those are also important. Even if you don't get the case, just touch points. Yeah, because what you're doing is, A, you're building a deeper relationship. You're showing them you actually care about them, <laughs> right? Yes. You're, and yes. you're serving them. I like to say it's it's service to sell. You're not selling first, you're serving first. And because you're serving first, that builds a much deeper connection, a much deeper relationship that no like trust goes soars. And then it makes it so much easier to ask for business down the road. And the other thing I'd like to point out is that oftentimes when you first start this with people, you don't get the business, but you're planting seeds for later. And even if they say no to this case and the next one and even the next one does not mean it's no forever. True. And I, I think that's part of it is, is 
and I don't, I don't really know how to, how to verbalize this. So I'm just going to say what, what comes to my mind. It's, it's, it's okay to, to be told no. Um, mm-hmm. and to make sure the client understands that you're not just a one trick pony. I'm coming to you for this case. And if I don't get it, I'm, I'm leaving. Yes. That's not what relationships are about. It's, I understand you may have other counsel. You may be happy with them. That's great. There may be a conflict one day that happens in big firms all the time. So again, keeping in touch with that client and, and making sure they understand you're not just there for the one case and, and that's it, you know, one and done you're there for the next case. And if they say, nope, we've got counsel for that. It's great. You know, good luck. If you need anything, let me know if any conflicts arise, I'm here. And you just make sure they know that you're, you're there. You care about their business. You care about them. And, and if you can help, hopefully they'll let you know. Yeah. And I think, I think lawyers tend to give up way too quickly. They think that because they've said no twice or three times, that that means it's a never and they stop when all they needed was a couple more and they're in number one. And number two, you made a really valuable point earlier. And how else can I help you? Maybe not with the case, but like, for example, the sexual harassment, is there training? Is there like, there's often other avenues that you can then play off of to kind of get in, even if you're getting in on something small. The point is to get in, right? And you can grow it from there. And so don't don't think, oh, because I'm not getting the big cases, I'm never going to get anything from them and I can never get this. Sometimes you have to get in in other areas and then grow the relationship from there. And I, I would even take that a step further. I think getting your, your toe in the door, it may even be for something you don't do. It may be, mm-hmm. hey, Alicia, I really need a, a trademark attorney. Do you have one in your firm? I'd be more than happy to, you know, to connect you with my, my go-to trademark person or M&A person, corporate person. That's also helpful. It's not direct uh-huh. business. It's not for me, the work that I'm going to do, but it certainly, it certainly builds that client relationship and the trust as well that I can help in other areas. And I'm continually amazed at how few lawyers are willing to do that in big firms, especially, right? So if you're at a big firm, the whole point for being at a big firm is to have all of that (laughs) at your fingertips and have that ability to cross sell. And yet very few attorneys actually do that very well. And I think that is probably the lowest hanging fruit in a big firm. And Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of meeting colleagues and Greenberg is a, is a huge firm we're all over the country and international meeting as many of my colleagues as I can, building relationships within, because those internal networks, I think, are also incredibly important. And when you're, you know, when you have a colleague who trusts you enough to send you a client, you do your best work for them, um, just as you would for any other client, because that builds trust where that colleague will say, hey, Alicia, help me with this employment issue. Um, You know, I would recommend her. And then you know, you have business internally as well. I'm a big, big believer in that. And that's something else that we worked on um, uh, when I was uh, doing coaching with you. Well, and why don't you speak to, you don't have to give specific numbers, but maybe like percentages, because I want people to understand how low hanging this really can be. (laughs) And granted, it depends on your practice. It depends on your contacts, but the vast majority of big firm lawyers out there have the ability to do this. And you are letting go of so much potential by not even trying. So would you be willing to speak to, because I happen to know that one of your big kind of 
areas for growth was in cross-collaboration and cross-selling. You know, how much of that has has that, um, like maybe as a percentage, you know, been your business growth? And maybe even how much did your business grow from the time you started these, you know, uh, strategies? Did it grow by 20%, 15%, you know, by what? And then how much of that do you think related to the cross-selling? You know, I, I don't know if I have current numbers in my head, but I can tell you approximates. I think that um, from, a, from a standpoint of starting the coaching, my, you know, my originations definitely went up at least 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, with respect to the cross-selling, let's say, uh, you know, obviously take, take 100% pie. I would say that at least a third of the work that I do is from cross-selling. Um, and that's, it's, it's a, it's an inbound and outbound, by the way, it's not just inbound because I send work out as well, but I would say at least right now, probably close to a third. Um, and that's across, um, across the firm it's international, um, you know, getting calls from, from overseas or my, Mm. my colleagues in New York or California saying we need help in Texas. So I, I cannot say enough about how important it is to, to work you know, work on meeting your colleagues, establishing relationships with them as if they were clients, just like you would do with your clients. Yep. Because yep. they are, they're internal clients. And although I would say, suggest that, yes, it's a lot of work at first, but at some point it kind of takes a life of its own <laughs> and you don't have to try so hard because you've established relationships with people and it just becomes more habitual and more natural, wouldn't you say? I, I would. And for, for anyone listening, who's in a big firm, my, my advice would be this, when you have things like partner meetings or, or even associate meetings, uh, shareholder retreats, breakout groups, attend as many as you can meet mm-hmm. as many people as you can. And, and even after you meet them, drop them a line, follow, follow up, you know, great to meet you. If I, if I have any clients in New York who need help, I know where I'm going to send them again, touch points, um, and, and do, I mean, I, I'll give you an example. I saw, um, an article recently that I thought would be of interest to a, one of my colleagues in another office who had sent business. And I said, this, you know, this reminded me of you thought it was up your alley. And, uh, you know, that's again, a touch point where they know I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about them. I, you know, I understand what they do and I certainly will refer work if I have it to give to them and hopefully they'll do the same for me. The other thing I would say is some of, I think lawyers in, in firms tend to overly focus on the external stuff and completely forget about the internal. And the internal networking is so important to grow your business. And then also, if you want to become part of leadership, if you want to, like, it gets you known. And it gets you known very quickly, by the way, in a really good way. <laughs> People start to know who you are. And then... You don't have to, um, you know, as proactively go out there and try to market to those people because the the ones that you've developed the relationships tell other people who come into the fold, oh, Alicia's the person. You need to send, you know, when they hear of something. And it just, it kind of, it snowballs. There's a snowball effect. There is. And and as I said, I, I cannot underestimate the value of that. And I, when I, with my own mentees, it's one of the first things I tell them is, make as many relationships as you can, both within our office and externally, because mm-hmm. it will, it will come back and it will yield results. 
Um, you know, you, you do have to put work into it. Yes. But it's, it's a little bit different from an external client. Um, but it is still work, but it's worth, it is absolutely worth what the payoff can be. Yeah. And I would say for those of you who aren't in big firms, but are in a firm, you can still do this. It may not be to the same extent, but you can definitely still do this. And for anybody not within a big firm, um, whether or not you're in a firm, some of these same, you know, type of strategies come into play for, it depends on the type of practice that you're in. But I do, I've had several clients who primarily get work through referrals because of the type of law that they practice. This is especially with like bankruptcy attorneys. Um, And so similar concepts, you know, where you don't always have to be networking with the people who you represent. You can utilize these, you know, this kind of cross-selling, cross-collaboration with both internal and external people if you get, if you live off of a referral type business as well. So I just wanted to kind of note that. Think kind of outside the box around how you can translate these type of collaborative, you know, uh, relationships into other areas that then kind of take on a life of their own and don't require as much work. When it comes to, you know, my my field, which is labor and employment, there was always the the unspoken word that your contact would need to be someone at a you know C-suite level, the CEO or you mm-hmm. know, um, someone at that level. But the reality is that people move, they move up, they change jobs. And I think it's, it's probably not the best idea to overlook, you mm-hmm. know, someone who might be an, uh, a human resource director or someone who's, who's perhaps newer in the role, because more than likely that person will move up. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a good relationship with them, that is going to stay with them. If you've given them good advice, uh, assisted them with some tough problems, you're the person they're going to remember. And let me just say this, people remember how you make them feel. So that sticks with people. If you are ignoring somebody or treating them like they're not important because they're not at the level yet where they can actually send you work, they're going to remember that. And I would also say, so this is this gets into a way that I developed business. So back when I was practicing, one of my biggest clients, my relationships was actually primarily with the people who didn't make the ultimate decision. <laughs> the ultimate decision maker was very hard to get in front of. He did not have time and he wanted to meet you like once. And then maybe once every couple of years, you'd follow up with him. Like, seriously, you didn't have that much of a relationship with him. but. He wanted to make sure his people underneath him were happy. And so those are the people I actually did most of my targeting for. And they had my back every single time. Anytime something came up, oh, Heather should be the one to get this. And he would listen to them. And if he would start to think, well, maybe we should expand and have more firms. No, you know, GT has the capabilities. They're big enough. And Heather can totally handle this. And so... I think sometimes lawyers make the mistake of only targeting those top level people when in fact you really need to target the entire group of people that you would be, you know, helping ultimately, not just the top level folks. Agree. And I I think that spans, you know, far across from labor and employment into other areas as you've described, Mm -hmm. um, because if I'm not mistaken, you were in banking... Finance, yeah. Finance, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that I think that is something that anybody in any field can use. That, that absolutely. Agree. Yeah, and and I will say I knew I saw it. Uh, there were colleagues of mine who I worked with over the years who I saw like they treated the top level people like royalty, but like 
really didn't treat the people underneath them very well. And over time, they actually lost a lot of that business because those people that they treated like royalty weren't always there. (laughs) And sometimes, even if they were, they started to allow others to to have a more prominent role in um, picking counsel. And so then they would start to lose out. And then, as I said, those people always remembered how that person made them feel. And they could never recover from it. So you never want to do that. Like they're all, you know, serve everybody and be there for everybody and don't rank them. And I I know that sounds stupid, but I've seen so many lawyers do that. And I think some of it, it's not that you don't, you know, that you're not a nice person. You feel like, oh, I only have so much time. So I'm just going to target this one person. You don't have to spend more time. You just need to like expand the people you're getting in front of. So maybe a contact, you know, contact one person one time, another person one time. Often it's a group of people, not one person in an organization who you're actually reaching out to. To expand on that, it it may be someone who's in another area. It may mm-hmm. be, I may mm-hmm. meet, um, I may meet a finance, you know, someone who's involved in finance with a client. Not obviously not the HR folks I would typically work with, but even developing a relationship with that person uh, could certainly yield a good referral mm-hmm. um, or even introductions to others. So again, I think it, I think it goes back to what we, what we started with, which is the relationship building aspect and how if, if that works for your personality and that's, you know, that, that is more to your style of, of selling, it, it has many branches. Like a tree, it has many branches. Right. And I think, um, and I've talked about this in other episodes and will again in in future episodes, but something that hopefully is becoming very clear to people, business development and sales isn't just about the networking event where you meet somebody and then taking them to lunch once or twice and asking them for business. It's about a long-term relationship with people, (laughs) which means following up and ensuring that you're very, very consistent with it. And so you want to try to develop a habit and incorporate it into your every day, every week, every other week. You, you got to have some type of habit where you reach back out to people. How about, Alicia, you talk a little bit about that? Because that could get a little, that could get hard, right? <laughs> so how do you manage that? The reaching out part? Yeah, like the follow-up, the consistency. How, how do you handle that without it getting unruly, overwhelming? What I have found is is helpful is it, it, my strategy is twofold. I I will put a tickler on my calendar to follow up with an individual, uh, a client, um, just to, again a touch point. And then the second strategy that I use is sometimes just off the cuff I will find something, whether it's an article or a new case that I think will be of interest to someone. And even if I've touched base with them the day before. I will mm. still send whatever this is, the article, the lawsuit and say, you know, uh, this made me think of you. I know you've had this issue or, you know, I, I thought this would, you know, this could be of assistance to you, whatever the case may be. But uh, so calendaring it and mm. just when something comes up that catches my eye, which which happens quite frequently because of the amount of information that we get as lawyers every day. You know, we get lists of cases that get filed. We get summaries of articles that are that are written every day. So there's plenty to to review, and uh-huh. certainly something within a week will trigger a client or a thought of a client. So those are my two main strategies. And notice that's not like this is information you're already getting. It's just paying attention and going, oh, 
yeah, that can be applicable to so-and-so and sending it on, which does not take a ton of time, by the way, y'all. No. It's no, really about creating the habit of thinking of this and just doing it. You do not have to go to lunch. You do not have to go to dinner. You do not have to go to coffee. You don't, you don't have to do a lot of this in person. Yes, you want to see people in person upon occasion. That is nice. It's part of building a relationship. But a lot of the follow-up isn't in person, wouldn't you say? Agree. And I, I yeah. think COVID really, really put a point on that where you, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't follow up in person. So you, you had to use for heaven's sake, zoom or teams or even snail mail for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally am, am a big fan of snail mail. I write thank you notes. Um, I find them more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's just something that I have always done. And I think I always will do. I don't know that that's for everybody or, or that's comfortable for everybody, but yeah, I mean, things, things have changed and, uh, that's one thing that I won't change. Right. Uh, actually thank you notes can be a huge game changer. And I don't think people, I I would say you're like a part of a 1% (laughs) actually (laughs) utilizes that. But when, I mean, think about how it makes you feel when you get something like that. It's so rare that if, if I think that's a wonderful strategy to utilize that more of us need to emulate. If, if it feels good, again, it's got to fit with your own personality and what you like to do and, and make sense for you. Because I think some people, it's just not who they are and that's totally fine. But if that's something you're like, ooh, that sounds interesting, I would give that a try. You don't have to do it all the time, but just an occasional, you know, for a real reason, sending something like that is really thoughtful. And, and you know, you don't have to send, I think a lot of lawyers tend to spend a lot of money on gifts, like at the end of the year. I don't think that gets us very far. It's this thing that everybody does, right? I think a, a very, you know, heartfelt little message is actually going to get you further. I would agree with that. And from a time perspective, you're right. It's it's a five minute, if that, um, you know, because most most uh, notes are not that large. You're not writing a letter. Right. It's 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 a pointed, specific, sincere thank you typically for me, for, for something that they have done, or, you know, perhaps they've given me a referral or, um, you know, spoken, you know, spoken to chambers and given me a referral or whatever the case may be. But, um, but yeah, I, it does not take that long. And I, I do think it's something that people remember. I know that I remember when I get thank you notes from people, um, Mm -hmm. it tends to stand out for me. Yeah, me too. So, okay. Before I move on and kind of wrap this up, I did want to actually talk a little bit about, you mentioned social posts. And it's because it's a huge pet peeve of mine. Lawyers are really great and and law firm marketing departments are really great about putting out these posts about the awards they've won and all the accolades that they get and, and the stuff that, I'll be honest, doesn't do anything. It doesn't move the needle. It has, you know, I, I get why we want the awards because it gives some credibility, but you see that all the time. Like in my feed, if I go on there and any given day, because 80 to 90% of my contacts are lawyers, that's probably 60% of my feed. (laughs) (laughs) And after a while, people see it and they just scroll on past. Like nobody pays attention to that. What they do pay attention to is something that's compelling for them based on the company that they work for, the issues that they're dealing with for their job, for their employer, for, you know, whatever. And I think it 
bears mentioning that, yes, you can have those posts upon occasion, but there needs to be like an 80-20. I like to think of it as an 80-20. 80% of what you put out there should actually be oriented towards helping somebody. So I love the idea that if you're speaking and you're trying to get people to register, you also have posts saying, hey, did you know X or a quick tip and... This is one of those that I'm going to dive even deeper into along with X other things that you need to know in this, you know, presentation, be sure to register. Like you're actually giving away free information, (laughs) helping them because it's much more compelling and it's going to catch the people that actually matter. Completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. And, and it is, I will say it is, it is difficult because we are, we are wired to you know, throw a post out, it's quick. You know, I can, I can cut and paste something and throw it out. That's, you know, and by throw it out, I mean, post it online. It takes a little more work to be thought provoking and Mm -hmm. to include that teaser or include that, that one, one or two freebie. But I agree with you that I think it is far more compelling for the people who matter, the people you want to attend your webinar, your seminar, your speech, et cetera. Yeah, because think about think about it this way. You are putting it out there to try to get not just anybody to register and come see it. You're trying to get the right people. And so you want to target it to actually catch the attention of those people. And I would say, and and you know, different people have different viewpoints on this, but I do think people can be trained to help you with these things. So if you have a presentation, And there's 10 different points you're covering in there. You can have uh, somebody in your marketing department go through that and piece out and come up with posts based on what's actually in there. You put the presentation together, they can help put the post together. Now, it doesn't mean they post it for you. Then you need to review it and you can revise it as needed. And over time, though, you can train them as to how best to do it, (laughs) if that makes sense. So you can kind of systematize that for you so that you're not doing all of that work. I do know that a lot of lawyers push back on that and say, well, they can't do that. They don't do it right. Or they don't, you know, and I get that. It requires training. But often if you're willing to work with the same person over a period of time and you have them do it and then you revamp it and you show them and you talk to them about, you know, how you did it, why you did it, you can train them to help make it better so that you're spending less and less time doing that. But that's just one of my tips. And I don't I don't know that you do that yet, Alicia. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I will admit I do not. But I, I like the tip and I will I will certainly um, uh, try it out. I mean, I would just say find every way possible to systematize some of that. And when we systematize, we're getting usually the help of others to help us too. Like figure out ways where other people can do some of this work for you. Yes, you need to be the one who ultimately posts it. Yes, you need to review it. But if there's a way to make it easier on you over time, absolutely do that. Because although it's a lot more work up front, it's worth it three, four, five months from now, especially if it, you know they get trained really well and it, it just saves so much of your time. And then you can actually start posting more. So something else you can do is even after the fact, once the speech has taken place, you can put it back out there, had a great time, post a picture of you there. Here's one of the tips that we covered, like give away some of that information that you taught. And if you had 10 points, you can use all 10 points over the course of the next 10 to 12 months, like every month have a couple of posts about those points. And you can have other people help you with that, whether it's somebody in your marketing department 
or um, an associate within your group. Figure out ways to get other people to help you with that. When I, I would add to that, Heather, mm-hmm. doing that is not only helpful um, in getting the right clients, but it tends to establish you as an expert in whatever matter you're yes. posting in. And I, I use experts loosely because attorneys aren't supposed to call themselves experts, use that that term, but it, it shows that you have greater knowledge in whatever that area is that on which you're posting. So it's it's an it's an added benefit to doing it the right way. Yes. And I would like to add, and we are about to wrap up, but so when I was a baby lawyer, there were two lawyers that I worked for. One, we would go to lunch all the time with clients and prospective clients. And one would often say things like, well, send me business. I have I have so much experience in this area. And it always like landed very flat. <laughs> the other would tell stories, would ask questions, would give tips. It's the same thing just socially. That other person had a much bigger book of business because it's it's about showing, not telling. You need to show people that you have the expertise by giving away information, adding tips, asking good questions, noting things they may not have thought of, that type of thing. That is going to establish your no like trust instead of expertise. We can use that. You know, they're going to know who you are, who you help, what you do. They're going to like you more because you're helping them. And they're going to trust you more because they're going to see that you actually know what you're talking about. You have credibility. And so that's what that's doing for you on a social scale. Same thing when you're in person. Tell stories, actually ask questions, give away tips, you know, um, don't hold everything back because that is ultimately the best way to sell. I would agree. So before um, we go, is there anything else you wanted to add? There is. And and it's it's something that may be a little hard to to say. I don't know that I've said this out loud to anyone, but you know, having practiced for such a long time, I was not sure that I would be able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And and put another way, I wasn't sure that I could change. Um, I know there's there's always a lot of um, sayings about can't teach old dogs new tricks or things like that. <laughs> not that I am an old dog by any stretch, but um, it you know it was a it was a, a big uh, mindset shift. And um, if I can do it, I would say that anybody else can do it as well. It, it does take time. It does take commitment, but it is doable. So no matter where you are in your career, I, I highly suggest that if you, if you are adverse to the direct selling techniques and things that we've discussed today, there is help and hope. <laughs> yes, there is definitely hope and lots of help out there. And I just want to say you are a rock star. And Thank you. you, I mean, really, truly, you put, you've put so much in there and you've done such an amazing job and I cannot wait to see what the future brings for you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for You're having so me. You're so welcome. Well, thank you so much for being here. You bet. All right. So I really hope that you enjoyed this interview with Alicia. She is amazing and wonderful. And the thing is, you have the ability to transform your mindset around selling too. I see this a lot. I see a lot of attorneys out there who think, I don't sell well. I can't do it. I'm too introverted for this. And it's just not true. There are techniques that you can use. There's definitely a mental shift, a mindset shift that you need to make first. And I really hope that today's episode helped you um, at least get started on that process, on that mental shift. Something to note is that if you are ready to fully go all in and make that mental shift and 
you would like help in doing it, I will be very soon talking about my mastermind, Elevate. And this is one of the things that we dive into. This is a group program. I also work one-on-one with attorneys. I worked one-on-one with Alicia. So if you are interested, reach out to me. I will be opening up early enrollment very soon for the mastermind. And I do have a couple of spots. I only have a couple, but I have a couple of spots currently available for one-on-one business coaching as well. So definitely reach out if that's something that you're interested in. All right, that's it for this week. We will be talking next week. Bye for now. Are you tired of barely squeezing life in thinking, shouldn't there be more to life than this? Do you want to get to the next level, but without losing yourself in the process? Are you ready to start thinking and doing differently so that you can stop doing the same things over and over and over, hoping for a different result? If any of this speaks to you and you're ready to do something about it starting now, book a call with me to find out how I can help. Go to lifeandlawpodcast.com forward slash free call.